it is possible by and through the Holy Spirit to forgive, keep on forgiving, and guard our heart at the same time. We'll be talking about red flags in relationships today on Bridges. And I'm so glad that all of you could join us. And I'm really glad that all of you could come out to the WHTN studio today and join us as well. We're going to open up the conversation about red flags in relationships. And I'm about sure you've all seen some red flags in relationships, right? So we're all familiar with this subject and the question always becomes what to do about it, how to respond. And if we're honest, we all have some red flags in us as well, because we all know that the Lord is perfecting everything that concerns us and we are all works in progress. If any of you have like fully arrived, you just let me know. <laughs> because we want to hear from you how you did it, how you're maintaining it, because the rest of us, we're all praying and reading the word and asking God for his grace and for his help every single day. And even with all of that, we know that sometimes we just plain and simple miss the mark. So some of the fun things we're going to talk about today, you ever met people who keep score? Yeah, I did this, you do that. And if that gets disturbed, the peace comes unraveled. And how about people who don't fight fair? You ever met them? I've been one of them before. How about people who can't and won't apologize? You met people, they are like never wrong. It is amazing. They can be 82 years old and they have never been <laughs> wrong. And it's like, that's amazing. I want to hear about that track record and figure out how you can do that. So the first thing we're going to talk about is people that keep score. And Lisa Hooks is here with us today. And she did a social media post to find out like the top things of what people say that they do to keep score. Lisa, what are they? Yes, Monica, things that people keep score with is past mistakes. Past mistakes. Keeping score of past mistakes. Mm -hmm. Also those chores and product projects that didn't get done. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so those were the top two. The top two. Yeah. So say the first one again for me. Keeping score of past mistakes. Past mistakes. And keeping score of the chores and projects that didn't get done. Mm. Yeah, how about projects that don't get done? You got a few of those at the house? <laughs> yes, this is what it's like at the Schmelter house as well. <laughs> Things that don't always get done. It's always interested me that one of the first people that I became acquainted with in the Bible that kept score or wanted to keep score is my good buddy, Peter. Uh, he's my all-time favorite, you know? He sort of just, whatever he did, he jumped in all the way and he did it really loud. Yes. He didn't try to keep anything a secret. And I have to tell you, I respect that. Do you know what I'm saying? I respect a person who's just all in and who's just really upfront about it. And so in Matthew 18, in verses 21 and 22, and I'll read out of the New Living Translation, it says, then Peter came to him, and he's talking to Jesus, of course, and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times 
seven. So like, I'm not really a math major as I've explained to you before, but even somebody that's not good at math, we know that 70 times seven is like a big number. So that Jesus was saying, basically, you gotta forgive and then you've gotta keep on forgiving. And then when you're all done with that, you've gotta keep on forgiving. But Peter came to Jesus honestly with that seven times. You know, cause seven times seems like a lot to me. And you know, when you've been wronged by somebody, you know what I'm saying, the first time, hopefully we're tender-hearted, right? And we know that we make mistakes. And the second time, you know, we've got that saying, you know, um, something about you fool me once, <laughs> thank you. You fool me once, but then if you fool me again, is it shame on me, is that what it is? Yeah, shame on me. So we know that we keep score. We know that in order to protect ourselves, we wanna stop at a certain place. And Jesus doesn't not want us to protect our heart because the Bible says we're to guard our heart because out of it, the issues of life flow. But it is possible by and through the Holy Spirit to forgive, keep on forgiving, and guard our heart at the same time. Because we all know that there's some people that no matter how much Jesus loves them, and no matter how much we love them, we can't let them into that close, close, tender place in our heart because they're not safe just yet. They're still with the Lord's help working on stuff or they don't even know that they need to be working on stuff yet, let's be honest. And we're related to some of those people. You all, we might be married to some of those people they might be our sister, they might be our brother, and they might be somebody that is a part of our church congregation. And you all, church is a place, it's a hospital for sick people. People come to church wounded, they come bruised, and because they don't know what to do, and we've all been there, right? They dress up real nice just like the rest of us. I think how many times did I go to church in an immature mode, needing help, and ended up hurting people because I'm trying to disguise myself and make myself look like, you know, Christian girl on Sunday. So we don't need to act all judgmental and hypocritical about that. We all know what that's like. The Bible says when I want to do right, in Romans 7:21, sin is still right there with me. The book of Genesis says sin is crouching at my door but I've got to master it. So we all fight in the flesh. And that battle of who needs to finish the home improvement projects. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And that battle of how many times do I need to forgive? And that whole division of labor, you know, there have been times, you know, in our house, the division of labor was kind of set up silently. I don't know that my husband and I ever sat down and said, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I think it's healthy if people do that. I'm just saying at the Schmelter House, we never did that. It was just sort of unwritten. You know, I sort of mostly took care of the inside and he took care of the outside. And that's what we were best at. And that's what we did. But if I felt like I was doing too much, (laughs) the silence stopped. Do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) So we know this. And Jesus says to us to forgive and to keep on forgiving. And he's not talking about us not guarding and protecting our heart because he doesn't want our spirits to get all putrid. He doesn't want them to get bitter and to get resentful. So what we have to do in red flags and relationships is pray without ceasing. There is a way to keep your heart and life at peace, even when other people are keeping score. I remember one of the first things that I did in Christianity was I sort of, if somebody was keeping score, I knew that they were wrong and I wanted them to stop. Do you know what I'm saying? And I didn't feel like I could be at peace until they stopped. And it's like, you've got to stop that. Well, I'm going to pray for you. You've got to stop that. We can't be doing this. And then I came to a place to understand that I can't control or change anybody. If they want to keep score, they can keep score. That's between them and the Lord. That's their own problem, their own business. But God calls me to stay at peace. What does the Bible say? It says to seek peace and pursue it. And if it's possible to live at peace with everybody, if it's possible. So if they want to keep score and not be at peace, hallelujah for them, I'm not going to keep score and I'm going to be at peace. So if you have people in your family, in your home that are keeping score, it may be annoying and frustrating as all get up, okay? Just stay at peace. Pray for God to work on them. Pray for God's protection of your heart that you don't give into that because the Bible says that Satan looks to devour those that he can. He scans us. And so when he sees that we've got that chink in our armor and that it bugs us when sister so-and-so or our husband or whoever keeps score, he's going to come in and he's going to zero in on that. And he is going to point out to you in all sort of loud and subtle ways how wrong it is of them to keep score, what horrible people they are, and you just need to go talk to them about that. We know where that goes, right? That's a conversation that goes so far down the toilet you can hear the flush and swirl. (laughs) Many times I've thought to myself, okay, this didn't work last time. Why did I try it again? (laughs) If they want to keep score, they can keep score. Another red flag in relationships that we can take note of, you know, because The world preaches it like you should just get rid of everybody in your life that does these things. Just get rid of them. It's not always possible. I mean, sometimes we're related to these people. And part of our maturity is to grow up in spite of that, to grow up in Christ. Another thing that people do is that they don't fight fair. 
You all have heard that saying, they hit below the belt. Mm -hmm. People say things that have nothing to do with the conversation. They say mean, ugly things that are meant to hurt. And they're also meant to derail the conversation. Because, you know, first you're talking about an unfair division of labor, or maybe you're talking about something else, and now this person is bringing up all your past problems and what you did in 1922, and it's like, you know, I wasn't even born yet. I couldn't have possibly done that, but okay, if you say so. So, Lisa, why don't you uh, talk with ML about that kind of a red flag in a relationship? Hi, Emil. So, not fighting fair. What does that mean to you in a relationship? Oh, um, when they do, just like Monica was saying, bringing up things that have nothing to do with anything. And most of the time, when they are trying to hurt you with their words, it's because they're hurting inside. There's something that's going on that they are hitting below the belt, and their words can be so horrific sometimes, and it's meant to wound you deeply. Um, because they're hurting deeply. Mm -hmm. So hitting below the belt is, is a huge red flag. We, we want to make sure that we pray for those people, mm -hmm. set up your own boundaries. You've got to have safe boundaries because mm -hmm. we have to guard our hearts. Amen. You know, yeah. um, red flags are things that the Holy Spirit gives to us in order to protect us. Right. He does this to protect us. And so he sets up those red flags for us to wave out to us so that we, we need to know these are things we need to be aware of and how to protect yourself from them. Great, thank you, Emil. Yeah. And th that's what it is. When you see a red flag, take note of it. You all, if it's possible to not make that person your best friend, that's probably the best situation if somebody can't fight fair. Now, if you're married to the person, this is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for growth for both people. And if you look at red flags as an opportunity for growth, the ideal situation is when both people are willing to talk about it and to work on it. But let's be honest. I know in the Schmelter household, that's not always the case. When I look at my relationship with my husband, when we were both in our 20s, we both didn't fight fair. We both brought up stuff of whatever. Sometimes even at the holiday time, some of the things we brought up were other people's parents. Well, your parents expect this and my family's better than your family. I know you guys never did that, right? <laughs> Nobody else argued about how many times you spent at the, it's how much time you spent at the in-laws and who's gonna go back over there and whose in-law made a hurtful comment about so-and-so. I mean, I tell my husband frequently, we are so blessed that we've been able to endure over these years because we were just so stinking immature that it was ridiculous that we thought we could be married people. <laughs> but what we had going for us on the positive was that we both really loved Jesus. Amen. And he was and is our absolute truth. And even though we didn't fight fair and conversations got out of hand, we always came back to Jesus. Now, did we wound each other during that? You better believe it. Did we become unsafe for each other in ways because we know this person's going to bring up this past thing that had nothing to do with anything? Like that happened a lot. 
I'm not telling you that because I'm proud of that or because it's something that I suggest that you do. I just think that there's a tendency in Christian circles for us to pretend like everything's a lot better than what it is. And what I've learned is that if you can expose what's true and what's wrong to the light, there's healing and it loses its power. But as long as everybody keeps nodding and as long as everybody keeps smiling and as long as everybody keeps saying, holy hallelujah, bless the Lord at church and then go home and argue all the way, nobody gets healed. The marriage doesn't get better and people don't mature. So there came a point in my life that I had to decide that as far as Monica Schmelter was and is concerned, if there's going to be a conflict or an argument, I am going to be fair because that is my reasonable service to the Lord. That no matter what anybody else says to me, if they bring up the past or they say something that I find hurtful, I hold my tongue. And sometimes I keep on holding it. And sometimes there's a long patch of silence, right? Because I only want to say what is good, what is helpful, what is good for the building up. Because you'll find that if we take ourselves out of that insult for insult, but return it with a blessing, we've then escalated the conflict to the supernatural realm. We've taken the red flag and we've nipped it in the bud. And even if they want to keep on going down that path, we don't have to go with them. And we're only responsible for us. So I'm talking about red flags in relationships today from the point of view is what can we do about the red flags? Not to point out everybody else's red flags and what everybody else does wrong, because that is their own stuff. And I've learned there's nothing that we can do about that. So we're going to look at the next one. They can't, don't, and won't apologize. Just raise your hand if you've ever known anybody like that. I'll be honest, I used to be like that. I would not give up. Pastor Melissa, you too? Yay! See, I got somebody. You know, we've got honesty flowing in here. There's sometimes we just can't, don't, won't apologize. And for me, it came out of if I felt like if I said I was sorry, that I would make myself vulnerable and that it would get used against me again and again and again and again. So I couched everything I did in, well, I'm sorry that I did that, but I wouldn't have did that if you hadn't done this. And I only did that because of this. And if you hadn't been so mean to begin with, I wouldn't have done what I did. And you know me, I could talk for hours. Like I could just go on and on and on. And here's what the Bible says about Ephesians 4:32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Again, we get to this place of forgiveness 
we get to this place where the Bible says that our reasonable service is to be kind and to be tender-hearted and to forgive. And a lot of people don't believe this, but we really are required to forgive even if people don't apologize. I've heard people argue that the Bible says we only have to forgive if somebody apologizes. But I don't see that in the Bible. What I see is that we are to forgive regardless. And without the Holy Spirit's help, I want to say this, it's impossible. The things that people go through here in a broken, fallen world, some of those things are just absolutely horrific. And without the Holy Spirit's help, you won't be able to do it. None of us has enough unction, gumption, whatever you want to call it, to forgive all of the really bad stuff that goes on here on planet Earth. I mean, you just watch the news, you look in the paper, people that suffer being assaulted, sexual assault, people that are physically abused inside of their own marriages, in relationships that were intended to be safe and protected. Only God can help us forgive. Only the blood of Jesus can give us that kind of power and that kind of strength and that kind of willingness to do what is impossible in the natural realm. So here's the thing with people who can't, don't, and won't apologize. Quit looking to them for anything. As long as we look to other people to meet our needs, we will always be in great want. I really thought, and I've shared with you honestly, you know, I got married when I was just 21, and I think in some ways, emotionally, I was like 13 or something. I did love Jesus, so I had that to my credit. But I just thought that my husband should meet my every need. That if I had any topic that I wanted to talk about, that he should just listen for 18 hours. I quickly learned that it like didn't exactly work that way. <laughs> and then I also learned that it didn't mean that he didn't love me. He's just wired and he's made a lot differently and that I need to be responsible for myself. And there's some things that I can only work out with the Lord's help. Some things, even if you have a husband or you have a wife, they're not gonna help you be able to process through everything. So don't look to other people don't depend on them to apologize in order for you to walk in peace and strength and power. See other people's stuff as their stuff. It is a result of their broken heart. It's a result of their callousness. It can be a result of so many things that we don't even know, but stop looking for that to be okay. And what we do it, you know, it is a red flag, so I want to say this. It really stops a relationship from growing and progressing. You sort of come to that point that there's that problem, and it really doesn't ever get resolved scripturally. So it does stunt a relationship's growth. That's just truth. And so we can pray for the other person, and we can pray for ourselves if we're the ones who can't, don't, and won't apologize because it stifles a lot of things. Forgiveness keeps things moving forward. 
I mean, how does our relationship with Christ begin? It begins with repentance and forgiveness. And that's what the, that's what the whole thing. So if you look at forgiveness as a way to win and forgiveness as a way to grow a relationship, then you can really start moving forward. Rapid growth can happen when both people are willing to forgive and move forward. But if both people won't, the best person's got to start. You look at the example of Jesus. He didn't even have anything he needed to be forgiven of, but he started. He went first. He gave his life for us way before we ever said sorry. He put the wheels in motion for us to have that relationship. So with people who can't, don't, and won't apologize, if it's possible not to have a relationship, close relationship with them, that's the best. But if it's Aunt Martha and you don't have any kind of choice, quit looking for Aunt Martha to give you an apology. Go to the family reunion and just enjoy the macaroni and cheese. <laughs> just know that that's not happening with Aunt Martha. <laughs> so don't ask for it, don't expect it, pray about it, and eat the macaroni and cheese and smile. So we've talked about three red flags today. And the three red flags that we've talked about are people that keep score, people that won't fight fair, and people that won't apologize. But here's what I want to challenge all of us with. The only way to get past red flags really is the white flag of surrender. And we need to ask ourselves, what do I need to surrender? Because today is all about I surrender all to Christ. And so Lisa Hooks is going to pass out these white flags. And these are for you to write on. These are for you to take home. But just as a matter of prayer for yourself, what do I need to surrender? Do I need to surrender looking for people to apologize? Do I need to surrender, you know, keeping score? What do I need to surrender? Because we can either spend our whole life looking for what other people need to do, or we can get really honest about what we need to do. So take these and write on them what you need to surrender. Take it home. Put it somewhere you need to look at it. I always put things on my bathroom mirror because that's where I get ready and that's where I remind myself. So we're going to today surrender all to Christ. And in just a few moments, Jennifer McGill is going to open up conversation with Pastor Melissa Johnson. Would you like to be a part of a Bridges Studio audience production? Visit monicaschmelter.com slash calendar to sign up. You can purchase a copy of today's show for $15. Call us at 615-754-0039 or send a check to the address on your screen. Be sure to mention the program number. Hi, this is Jennifer McGill. Thank you so much for joining us today at Bridges. I am here with Melissa. We have had such a great talk from Monica today. And something that she said at the very, very beginning that stood out to me, she was talking about how Satan zeroes in on weaknesses. And then what came to my mind was the work in progress idea, how God is always ready to whip us into shape, W-I-P, whip us into shape. So I was curious, do you have something that you can tell our, our audience, our group today about the hope in being a work in progress, that, that we don't have to feel bad about not being finished? 
Right. Well, you know, I, I, I really find that exciting as well. And I'm excited about the fact that God does give us the grace, um, you know, to make those mistakes and that he is um, allowing us the opportunity to be conformed, you know, into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so um, there's a lot of times that I find that, you know, he will use the enemy to pinpoint and to target those things. He allows him to do that so that he can shape me. And a lot of times I, I take into consideration that when I'm faced with a situation, that God must be after that, you know. And so he, he's coming for that particular um, situation in my life and giving me an opportunity now to see that this is what I need to work on. And so how are you going to pass this test? And I love it that we have that opportunity. I mean, we do have the opportunity even to look at it as a negative or a positive. Lord, am I going to complain about this today or am I really going to surrender this to you? Thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. Yes, this is wonderful. Thank you for joining us today at Bridges. You can find full episodes and the study guide at monicaschmelter.com. Make the rest of your day a great day. The blood of Christ is the only cure. It gets down to the root of every single thing that ails us. There's not an addiction, there's not a generational curse, there's not any root of sin, there's nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. Visit monicaschmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your event. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.